to dangle a character that you're like, there's no way they'll die, and then they die. So hang on, maybe he will die. Or maybe, you know, maybe Cersei will be in there. No, there's no way, because she's so evil. But the show loves to do it. So it's all, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it is nerd mind at level red. <laughs>
where it's been around for a while, but it's existing in this new realm of TV and the, and the future of what at-home viewing is going to be with the Netflixes of the world. Like you, Bob, I came into this a little late. I uh, binge-watched through season four, and then from season five on, I was live. And I know it kind of coincides almost with when George stopped writing, so it could have been that. But I, I feel a distinct difference in how much I enjoyed it when I was able to blow through it and when I wasn't. And okay. I, I, I feel like I enjoyed it a lot more when I was able to push through it because it was a show that traditionally moved slower than a lot of shows, right? But it didn't feel as much when I didn't have to wait a week in season one, two, three, and four. Um, whereas in the later ones I did, and I, I don't know if that polluted it or not, but it's just one of those weird shows that, that existed in, I feel like, both halves of the way TV is viewed. Um, and I can I can just feel a palpable difference between those two, and I'm I'm not sure which one I liked yet. I, I still feel like I need some of it to sink in. Did you did you find yourself enjoying the final season? We'll start there. Did you like it? Because a lot of people, pretty, I'm just like nerds are on the internet signing petitions and trying to change the writer staff yeah. and doing a, a <clears throat> bunch of stupid nerdy shit. But it's did you? A lot of people feel one through seven pretty close to a masterpiece and then they feel like it's almost like you the you get to the super bowl and you get the broncos versus the seahawks and it's 53 and nothing and it's just kind of a waste of time and everyone hates it so it's like did you feel did you feel satisfied or it seems like you didn't i feel like the masterpiece forum for me ended after season six when cersei blew everything up that's when that that's when the break happens i thought the last two seasons were tough um i'm okay it's not how I would have chosen it. I'm okay with the story they were trying to tell this season and how they wanted to wrap it up for for a, a good amount of it. They just made one of what it's going to come down. Their legacy might be the terrible decision to shorten these last two seasons, rush one of the best stories of all time, and it just means that none of the emotional impacts actually landed the way that they were supposed to. So in short, no, I, I didn't really like... I didn't really like this season. It had memorable moments that masked a lot of a lot of holes, and they they papered over things with these big things like the battle for Winterfell. But then when you step back at all and examine it with any level of scrutiny, everything kind of started to fall apart. So, uh, it kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth. Okay, Jordan, Jordan, you're one on the on the text thread that we have that's been defending the show to a certain degree. What are your takes on it? Well, listen, I think even the most apologetic fan in the world would admit that this final season was a disappointment. Um, I don't think you're going to find really anybody that's going to stand behind it fully. But uh, I have taken the approach similar to you, Bob, where for the final two seasons, I've tried to just take it in and enjoy it for what it is. And, you know, to steal a line from Tyrion in the show, maybe, you know, ask me in 10 years how I feel about it as a whole. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to react to something right after a spectacle as grand and as long running as Game of Thrones is. It's just ended and to have a, a holistic view. Um, but that being said, you know, the, the, the show has brought me a lot of joy. I was never really a TV guy. Uh, obviously part of the reason we do this movie podcast is because we always favored movies over TV mostly. And, uh, to your point, we, we are in a different era these days where TV shows are much, much higher quality than they were back in, uh, you know, the mid early two thousands. 
Yeah, and then the other side of the coin, movies are fingering their own butt. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's just, it's just like, yeah, TV this... is, is definitely seems to be winning. But uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely seems that um, you you have a certain joy that I, I've never heard you speak of when it came when it comes to a TV show outside of maybe The Office, which everybody and their mother knows is your Bible. So, but you, you, and so even with this season eight, how did you feel? Did you, did you feel kind of like Colin did that it was rushed? I mean, that's a lot of people are saying they needed more episodes. I'm okay with the decisions, but the execution and how we got there, people were turning on a heel too much. Is it, did you, did you feel that sentiment? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, saying you know, this last season it had poor writing and it was rushed is kind of like, uh, saying, oh yeah, you know that Joffrey wasn't a real good guy. It's like, yeah, duh. Like, we know, we can see that. So, um, it was is disappointing. The devils are in the details, right? And the details are what made Game of Thrones so good because of the storytelling and the depth of the characters. And to really trade all that for spectacle in the last two seasons was it was a huge letdown. Um, no doubt that the last episodes were beautifully shot and extremely cinematic. It was like watching a movie and uh, every bit as good as going to the, the theater and, and seeing a film with a budget of $100 million or $200 million. But I'll take story over spectacle every time. And uh, man, years of buildup and to have the the most impactful scenes just kind of fall flat was... It's, you know, it was, it's tough to see. I'm going to, I've seen all these final episodes once now, and I'm going to go back and watch them again and binge through them so I can get that continuity and see if it makes me feel any different. Because I have to admit, watching season, season seven live, I also felt a little disappointed, but going back and watching it straight through, I had much less of an issue with it. So I'm curious if see, I'll have that I'm same at. feeling, you know? Yeah, like I, I have, and this is the only, season eight was the only one that I watched live, and I was pretty critical of it in, in, in some of its moves, especially when it comes to character and, and arcs, but I was also like, is this a feeling I'm getting because I'm watching it live now? Is this, you know, watching it play out week to week? So, yeah, there's definitely a weird binge crew versus uh, people who were in it from, we'll say, the, the early stages or it's an inception. And then of course you get the books people. You got the, you know, the, the book elitists. Are you, aren't you, you're also a book elitist, aren't you, Jordan? You read the books? I've read all the books. I wouldn't call myself a book elitist. I can't <laughs> you know, recount every detail from the books, but. Um... You know those turds where every time you see something and you're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, the movie's good, but the book is even better. And it's like, oh, you're just saying that because you want me to know you read books. Yeah, or the you reason you mean? didn't like this part of the show is because you didn't understand it because you didn't read the books. Yeah, you won't understand. You didn't read the books. Or as, yeah. as Colin likes to say, the comic books. Yeah. But, uh, the, uh, yeah, so um, I, I just feel they definitely uh, switched lanes when it comes to the type of storytelling that they were doing. Because, you know, there's they for a long time it was it was more sociological storytelling where it was kind of looking at the bigger picture of the society and its interactions and the norms that shaped the characters. And then it was characters interacting in that uh, in that space. But the story and the success of the show wasn't carried by a certain character or their narrative. And so that's why you could kill off certain huge characters like Ned Stark, who they spent the whole first season building. And then you could, and the show would still go on because it was more about the politics and 
and the strategy behind this entire world. But then towards seasons six, seven, and eight, they, they definitely started more of a like a psychological storytelling where it was more based in characters and, and you know, it was very more like hero versus anti-hero arcs. And once they started to make that tonal shift, I think that's when people started to reject the storytelling because that's not what made it great in the first place. So even like, if you think about a show like The Wire, like The Wire, they killed off people all the time, but the show was never about an individual character. It was never carried... And, and, and the weight of the show wasn't carried on the shoulders of a character. It was about the city of Baltimore. You know what I mean? So it's like when they when they start to make those changes in the storytelling and changing the lanes, it was just... And, the, and I'm, I'm sure it happened right after R.R. Martin's books had had stopped being produced. You know, they, they, ba- they basically went back to a, a standard, typical TV type of storytelling. And I think that's when people started to call bullshit on it. Hammond, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess a few thoughts. I know we talked a bit about in the beginning. Uh, it sounds like I'm between you and Colin, where you said you been you binged it and then started season eight, and Colin, you were you binged it and started season five. Is that right? Yep. Okay, so I binged it up until season six, and this show, I it took me three times to get into it. So I watched it twice, probably once, maybe through season one. The second time maybe like maybe through two seasons I don't remember and then I had to go back a third time and start it over again because I just this is the this is the kind of genre I just don't really enjoy which I'm sure we'll talk about in some regard because for, I mean for me that me neither yeah dude. I mean I have a ton of problems with the genre I think the show highlights that um quite a bit but so you're telling me there's people with swords and there's dragons and there's zombies and there's mild pornography <laughs> right and well, it's all in one fucking show well, yeah, you know well, I mean? this is the thing, Bob, when you said, what's the legacy of this show? I think it has something for everybody. It's really weird. It's like if you just want to watch for, like, the gore and all of that, and, you know, especially early in the in the show, there was a lot more nudity, I felt like, which was a weird <laughs> attraction for a ton of people to the show. You could be a book nerd. A weird attraction or an obvious no, attraction? It was obvious, <laughs> but it was, like, very blatant nudity, like, in a weird way. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and oh, then... Like, with the hound the, just pulling his dick out? Yeah, that's, that's kind of... Yeah, yeah, very aggressive. And then the book people can get into it, and then week by week, I mean, on Reddit and online, it's this whole community of people that were talking about what was going to happen with the show. And then I just think you have the average person who doesn't know what's going on, like me, where I I don't have the family trees in front of me. I get confused who the characters are. And you can just kind of watch it, and then once or twice a season, it's completely spectacular. And you don't even need to know that much of a backstory and you just get totally sucked into it so i think it's kind of a phenomenon show in that regard and i do think it's going to be one of the last shows that everyone sort of watches and step like this i really do think that i mean it's eight eight seasons of a show i don't know how many shows are going to keep doing that it was like 10 years if you add in filming and all that i just don't know if shows are going to be that long anymore it's 80 yeah, hours it'll happen it, it'll happen with watching it at the same time but not on a weekly basis to like when stranger things season three comes out everyone's going to be watching it within a couple days span and they're going to be at different places right i mean yeah. I, i'm it's saying not... not on a week not on a week to week thing for eight weeks like you can obsess over it for two months but like when that drops on july 4th weekend like everyone's going to watch it but it's going to be different you're definitely right like it's not going to be this prolonged examination week in and week out like you're just going to get it you watch it and then you talk about it 
But we're also talking about the benefit of being able to see these characters. A lot of us are, are talking about how we really enjoyed the, us bingers enjoyed watching watching it kind of week or watching all of the characters play out in it what feels like real time, and so you're able to 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 see the the bird's eye view of what the creators of the show are trying to show you and it's you, you're not you're not losing memory on things that happened or, or significant things that happened because it's it's happening so instantaneous so i think there is a benefit to it but it is kind of sad that that we're probably never going to have that water cooler type experience in that way again i was going to say i just think that that's a huge takeaway that's the legacy of the show for me because i do think it's going to be the last show like that so you know how people will talk about like they'll talk about a show like Dexter and they'll say, "Oh, that was a great show, but they like fucked up the ending." Or there was always there was always kind of an asterisk next to that show, or even Sopranos, um, and, and just kind of the way shows are able to either stick the landing or not stick the landing, and more often than not, some of these popular shows don't give people the conclusions that they want. Um, what do you think? Do you think people are going to say Game of Thrones was yeah, the first seven seasons were great, but man, that last season was trash. I was going to say, I think it's going to have the the caveat where people will say Game of Thrones would have been the greatest show of all time if that last season was just done better. Like when we look at it years from now, I think it's going to be, it's going to feel better. I think people are really, myself included, are super emotional about it right now because of how much time you had invested. But Let's just say you're someone who starts it from the beginning and you get to watch it all the way through, never having experienced it at all. Yes, there are a lot of problems with the final season, but I don't think it's so bad. Like like I said, the general decisions, I kind of see where they were going. So I think if I were to watch this with having no background all the way through, I don't know I would go as far as the Dexter thing, because the Dexter thing just made no sense. At least this stuff, it kind of makes sense. I never sense. watched the show, but I just know people bitch yeah. about it all the time. Um, but he like it's, he just like rides off in his boat and becomes a lumberjack. Like that's a left field thing. Like this this stuff, it, it makes enough sense where you're not gonna have a riot about it if you're someone who's picking it up brand new. I think. But to people who lived it for eight years, yeah, there's some big frustrations for sure. I just think I think the show creators and and the writers do deserve a little bit of credit, man. This this is like a, a incredible feat. Like you really have to give them a round of applause for what they were able to accomplish. And and it also allows you to, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but appreciate how they stuck the landing with the Avengers movie even more. Because it's really fucking hard with these huge expectations. Like, this, this show had such huge expectations. You know, and so you can kind of be like, oh, like, no one was ever going to be satisfied. But this, the fact that, that an even more rabid fan base of, of something like the Marvel franchise was able to be satisfied and fulfilled with what they did with that franchise was, it, it's, it's really commendable. But, um, I think, <laughs> I, I think for me, it's, it's just, I, I think back on all the, all the great shows, right? And to me, only two of them really got out, uh, got out well. One of them was The Wire, and then the other one to me was Breaking Bad, which is my favorite show. I think everybody knows that for the most part but what would you guys think what do you guys think the best tv ending of all time was yeah yeah Bob, i'd go with you i think the reason breaking bad's the best show is because i think it's the only show that did their ending correctly in terms of a clean arc with a show with five seasons that didn't have a ton of fat and the way it ended you could disagree with the decisions the writers made but you couldn't say it was poorly constructed or it didn't make sense and i think a lot of these shows that's what you're holding at the end of the day is you can triple guess kind of what they did 
and overthink all these decisions. And I think Breaking Bad is the only show that did it, I'd say, correctly. Where it seemed like, if you believe Vince Gilligan and the creators, they knew how they were going to end it episode one. And so they're able to pace it correctly through a good amount of time. It was only five seasons. And then completely end it in yeah, that way. Yeah, I mean, that show was it, so it's, incredibly paced. Right, it's, it, and there was no, there was no fat. None. There was, there was nothing. And again, it's a different show. Mm. Like I was saying, the, the two different types of writing. Like it was definitely a different show. But I've never seen a character arc um, be so dramatic, but also so impactful the way that Walter White's was. Um, but like I, I mean, for for me that that was that was the cleanest and most satisfied I've ever been with a TV ending. Sopranos, everybody hated, and people and people. It's it's weird because like. Sopranos is an ambiguous ending, which allows people to make decisions for themselves. People hated that. And then Game of Thrones is, in a lot of ways, neatly packaged and tied up with a bow, and a lot of people hated that. So it's like, <laughs> it's sometimes it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Jordan, what, what would you think the uh, best TV ending of all time was? You know, you? I honestly don't think I have an answer, because like I said, I was never much of a TV guy in the past, and I actually have not seen The Wire or Breaking Bad, which I know is complete sacrilege um but as just a general sentiment i do think that tv shows in general have to do a better job of closing out because we're seeing a lot of examples of these shows house of cards comes to mind that are really great tv shows while they're stringing you along and then they just fizzle out and it's unsatisfying and to me i think that's going to get old at some point where i'm not going to invest my time into a show without knowing that it's going to close out satisfactory. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's like you, they, you kind of write yourself into corners with some of these shows, and it's like sometimes you stay along too long, right? Like, I can't believe they're still fucking running away from zombies in Walking Dead. That's like, crazy. how have you not found a fucking boat to, to get away from the zombies at this point? Like, that show's just going to go on forever. You know what I mean? So it's like that's that's one way to get out is basically just stay around long enough to where your whole fan base just leaves the show and then it just kind of retires and and, <laughs> and no one knows or you know it's it's or you, or you try to you try to get out but that's that's kind of the problem sometimes I see what you're saying Jordan with just getting invested in shows is most often you're going to be disappointed with the end result. It's almost like buying a puppy and you know that it's going to die in 12 years, right? I don't know if that's a right metaphor or not, but yeah, sometimes it's hard to get invested in a show because you're like, I haven't really seen it pay well, off Well, then even something much. like Big Little Lies, which took on the, the miniseries format, which I was really excited about because I was like, this is great. You know you get 10 episodes or whatever it is, and they tell a story and it's over, and that seemed like a really great format uh, until it was really popular, and they decided, oh, okay, well, we'll just do a second season then, so... Um, yeah, or fucking uh, True Detective, or we'll just we'll just reinvent it, but with none of the elements that made it popular yeah, in the so, first place. Anyway, uh, Colin, what were your thoughts? Best show ending of all time? Uh, unfortunately, I'm kind of like Jordan, and I, I Hammond makes fun of me for this all the time. There are some significant TV shows that I've never watched: um, The Wires, The Wire, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Mad Men. So, a lot of them out Rushmore. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I usually watch small, like shorter shows, but I, I would say the ones that the ones that stuck it were the ones that are like personal to me. Where when it ends, you feel like you're losing like actual friends. And even though The Office had a rough rough patch, that was one. Parks and Rec was another one, where it literally felt like something was being taken away from you. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what a good show does. And you guys kind of touched on it 
there's two sides to the coin here, right? Like, you're kind of in a tough spot with TV. You either run it too long and then everyone bitches like The Office, right? Like, when Steve Carell was leaving, you should have just ended it there. You you got too greedy. And then there's Game of Thrones where it's the exact opposite. They chose to end it early and everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? We needed more time to to, to tell this story. Yeah, it's like, well, damned if you do, damned if you don't, sometime with TV. And don't forget that everybody was bitching up a storm two seasons ago because they were taking too long to tell the story. And everyone was saying, you got to speed this up. Come on. It's taking forever to get anywhere. And then they set things up and everyone bitched about how it was moving too fast. Well, they put it into hyperdrive, but... (laughs) I think the frustration, though, with this season is it looks incredible. There's some incredible cinematic scenes. It was almost like watching a movie, or I mean, it was watching a movie for a lot of those episodes. Yeah, every episode is it's a mini yeah, movie. Yeah, and then that couldn't really be enjoyed because some of the writing decisions were so stupid and they made absolutely no sense that it completely detracted from like what makes Game of Thrones fun, which is that world they've created, the filmmakers. And it just looks incredible. Well, let's talk about some of those decisions. Yeah, I mean, so like, what, like, what about the specific episodes? For because for me, like, I was really frustrated that the Arya Ethan Hunt mask moves never fucking really came into play this season. Well, Besides her like getting revenge against the phrase and stuff like that, like it was, I, I never really got a lot of that. And I and I thought that the Night King was was pretty much an afterthought, which really frustrated me. And and I and I and I thought all the building you wanted to see kind of the the this epic power and we never really got that payoff what like what were some things that really pissed you guys off about the the, the choices that were made the the biggest one for me was uh, even more so than ha- having three major villains in one season having cersei go out in such a just wimpy way after being there from episode 1 and being positioned as like the major threat it just took, it took, that's, God, that one just infuriated me to the, mo- the most. I thought Cersei was going to have so much up yes, her sleeve. Uh, I thought she was going to do everything she could to drag Danny down with her, go down, go down like tooth and nail, fighting for her life. But I, I don't know. There was no, there was no bigger motivation there. That's, that's the one that stuck with me the most amongst many poor decisions. But not having Cersei live up to the bill that she had for eight seasons was infuriating. Yeah, like like the biggest move she had was just not sending that army out to fight the walkers, the whites. You know, that was like the big that was her big move apparently. I was going to say Con, I think you're 100% right. I think the biggest issue with this season was they transferred the main villain between the Night King, like that was the big threat. Everyone, this is all hands on deck. It's insurmountable. It's this big threat. Then that was done instantly and it was like, "Whoa, okay." Then all of a sudden it was Cersei and then it was Danny, and that happened in like under four episodes, where they shifted who you were yeah. trying to like figure out the bad person in the show was, and then it, there's just no way you can properly end a show where the main threat like that has shifted so many times so quickly, and that's where I think the pacing was just out of control. You couldn't keep up with the motivations of the characters, why they were doing those things exactly, and that's where the nitpicking comes in because you're thinking, what? Why are these people doing these things? There just wasn't enough time to explain it. Well, yeah. Because how can you take anything seriously when it's gone the next episode? Yeah, it seems arbitrary at that point. Um, but, Colin, I, I'm with you on the disappointing uh, closure to, to Cersei's story, but I actually did think that that uh, final moments with Jamie and Cersei reuniting was actually pretty touching. 
which was kind of a weird feeling to have considering she was like the epitome of evil and everyone's rooting for her to have some horrible death that I actually felt a little emotional to see them go down together. And I thought that was pretty fitting, even if it wasn't in the the best way. I, yeah, the metaphor of the rocks coming down, like her whole empire coming down on her and, and that that was her death was was pretty clean. I just wanted more depth from her. I get like her and Jamie entering the world together, leaving the world together. That's their destiny. I just, it, she did not see, like people are, I, I literally saw people on Facebook after this saying, best TV villain of all time, Cersei. And I'm like, are you kidding me? She did. She didn't live up to anything. She was like a house of cards almost. And it just, I don't know. It's again, the writing. I kind of get where they were going, like eventually making Danny the big bad, like the long night could have actually been referring to Danny had she gotten her way on what she was trying to do. But again, just not enough time and nothing landed. Yeah, those scenes were super weighted. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of slow motion scenes. Just Tyrion, like, slowly walking through that rubble to pull away the... Like, that scene took 14 minutes, it felt like. And then, or even just him... Not as long as Theon's Theon's death scene. Theon's death scene. Jesus. Uh, Man, there were so many weird, like, cliche, laughable moments. Like, Jamie on that... In that little grove the same time that fucking Euron shows up. And you're just like, oh my god, this is silly. This is like... Ugh. It's things they never used to be guilty of. They never used to be guilty of convenient writing, and then one day, it's all it was. It was just convenience after convenience after convenience. Yeah, well, look, look I totally agree with that. Well, Colin, I, I totally agree with that, but I do think, and this is probably where I disagree with maybe you and Harris, I think the, the problem with this show, and the reason why it was hard for me to personally get into it, and I was definitely one of those people talking about speeding it up, because so much of this show is just exposition and backstory and kingdom and world building to the point where it's like, okay, well, what's the significance of these things? So all this groundwork you've laid, like there's, there's almost two seasons where Arya is just training to be, I mean, there's one full season, but it's like, she's training to be this person. You don't fully understand what she even is anymore. Like she stopped doing the face thing. Why did she do that? Brand too. Like there's all this focus on him, but like what, What's the yeah, payoff the whole season for that? where he's holding onto a tree. Yeah, what's the payoff for all of these long, drawn-out stories? And the payoff's supposed to be the end of the story in the last season, and they just end it without really explaining any of this stuff. So I think that's the frustration I have, is like there's seven seasons of just super in-depth, impressive writing that has a lot of context, but the, the story arc has to end at some point. These characters have to have an arc too. And I just feel like they, they weren't able to get there because there's too many of them. But the show had too many characters. They should have killed way more people. They did. You would have to prove to me that the show creators didn't get scared at the end there <laughs> and resort to uh, what you call like just easy writing. And I, I, in my head, I'm convinced that they had conversations with George R. R. Martin, and he gave them the the main pieces. He told them, you know, Bran's going to be on the throne. John's going to kill Danny. Uh, John's going to be uh, exiled, or, you know, whatever, all the major points. And they weren't capable, for some reason, of tying that together in a meaningful storytelling way. And so everything just became connecting these major points, moving people around just to make it convenient so that they could get to that point. Mm-hmm. And you'd have, to, you'd have to prove to me that that wasn't the case otherwise, because it seemed so obvious. The, the, the shift in storytelling and tone and everything 
mean, it even got, the, the show even got just way less serious. It got almost like, uh, there was a lot more comedy towards the end. And I, you would just nudity. have to prove to me that well, you just look at, it was, everything was built backwards. You look at season one, like Ned died as a result of his own, you know, his own uh, devotion to duty. Like, you know, he sealed his own fate through character decisions, right? Like that's his makeup and that led to his fate. It wasn't like there was an ending and then you have to make lies about this character to make them go down that path, which is kind of what it felt like in the later seasons. Like they were deviating from the character arcs that they've spent six and seven yeah. seasons building to meet an end. So everything was everything was a square peg round hole just to reach these endings. Whereas the entire beginning of the Game of Thrones was built on the opposite. It was all built on character decisions that led them down a path. And if that path was that they died, Rob Stark sealing sealing his own fate when he, you know, broke off his engagement, then they died. But like that was what made it great, and then they completely pivoted away from that in the last two seasons. And then John decides to kill Danny, because Tyrion's like, dude, bro, she's crazy, man. And he's like, Oh shit, you're right. I'll stab her. <laughs> Just basically how that conversation went. You, sp- you spend seven seasons developing Jamie Lannister and his and his rehabilitation as a character and then just on a heel he just turns and he's like no nah, fuck it I'm going back to, to Cersei and you're like oh is he going to be this Trojan horse is he going to show up and like you know save the Westeros by killing Cersei and it's like no it was just like nope all that seven seasons just out the window or <laughs> you fucking have Tyrion and he's like this mastermind and you know he's always two chess moves ahead of his players and then he just makes tons of incorrect decisions for the entire season and, and just like that's the stuff that people are like no you you set up the rules and now you're cheating the rules just for the sake of the convenience of where you want this thing to land and i think that's what a lot of people got frustrated with but i think we're spending a lot of time in the negative i want to let's just let's take a second and say like what were your like what was your favorite moment of the show because i mean this is still a top five tv show of all time and we got to give it some love and we're we're kind of we're we're in this 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 post mortem funeral, but like what what were your what were your favorite moments on the show? So for me, the best hour of a television show I've ever seen is Battle of the Bastards, hands down. I, I think that's the best end to end single episode of television that I've ever seen. If I had to rank episodes individually, not inside of shows, I'd have that number one. And I think it highlights all the great things the show had. And like I said earlier this show was super surprising where like the second to last episode or third to last episode would be like a finale and you just weren't prepared yeah. for it. And Battle of the Bastards had all the stuff with John and Ramsey, who I think is the best villain on the show. And then all the bat, the way they shot that battle, it's the best battle scene I've seen. Again, TV movie doesn't matter. Oh, you mean you could actually see it? <laughs> right. Well, well, that's the thing. That same director tried to do the same thing in that Battle of Winterfell, but just, it was too dark, I guess, for most people. I didn't think that was a problem, but uh, still, I just think that, that was an incredible episode. That episode in Hard Home were my two favorite episodes, and I thought they were unbelievable, and I watched them live. Okay, uh, Colin, what do you think? Um, Man, most of my favorite moments were around my boy, Jamie Lannister. He was my favorite throughout the show. Of course he was. Um, loved me some Jamie. He had the best arc in the show. Um, I think him... In the bath with Brienne, when he tells the story of killing the Mad King, was some of the most, some of the best like intense writing and fantastic acting. I thought he did a great job on that. Um, that whole scene was fantastic. Uh, I think the two that are most memorable will be also with Jamie when he 
the look on his face during the Battle of the Loot Train when he hears Drogon after he the, Doth, the Dothraki yeah. are coming, and he says, we can hold off the Dothraki, and then he hears Drogon scream, and the color just leaves his face. And as a fan, you're like, holy shit, we finally get to see Drogon go nuts. Like, that was amazing. And the one, the one thing that'll stick with me forever, I had to stop watching the show for about four or five days when I was binging it at the beginning is when the mountain crushed over in yeah. the skull. Like they're fucking I, I, I literally, I had to take an, emo- I had to take an emotional break. I couldn't do it anymore. It was, uh, that was the end for, for a while. Definitely the most memorable. Uh, Harris, what do you think? I'm with Mike and that the correct answer is battle of the bastards. Um, from a suspense standpoint, I watched that. Sh- I, when that battle started, I pretty much watched the rest of the show standing up in front of the TV with the hands on my head because I, I was just enthralled. And, um, you know, at, at that time, you, you didn't know if John was going to make it out of there. It was a real suspense to, to – it wasn't assumed that he was going to win that battle. And uh, I 100% agree with Ramsey being the best bad guy. And uh, the payoff at the end with Sansa uh, sticking the hounds on him was – probably the payoff kind of the style of payoff we were all hoping for in this final season. And it turns out we got most of it in battle of the bastards. Um, besides that, um, I, I would say to your, I, I think you're right. Both of you guys. And the reason it was so great is because they just resurrected John. And in that scene where the entire Bolton army is charging him, they did such a good job telling that story that at that moment I was like, holy shit, did they bring him back and they're just going to kill him again? Like, I actually believed it. Like, they wrote it so well. Oh, In yeah. the back of my head, I wasn't like, oh, John will get out of this. They just resurrected him. No, I was literally like, holy shit, he's about to die again. Like, that's how well they directed and wrote that, that episode. Him, him squaring off against the cavalry riding towards him is going to be the iconic scene of the entire yeah. The photo of the entire show. Even though, it's a, even though it's just another moment, example uh, of John being an other idiot. Good... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's always in it. Yeah. Uh, other good moments were uh, when Tyrion was on trial and mm. Jamie frees him and he ends up killing uh, Lord Tywin. That was pretty surprising and shocking. I, so lots of lots of good stuff out there. I mean, it's it's hard to debate uh, Battle of the Bastards. I for me, um, my favorite character. You know, although his arc was very simple. Uh, just a revenge narrative. Uh, I, I loved the Hound. I loved the Hound and, and probably my, my second favorite mm-hmm. character, Arya. Um, I loved their whole dynamic. So the scene um, in episode, uh, was that five, when, you know, that the the apocalyptic battle that he has with the mountain, that was, that was just a great payoff for me. But just the moment before that where it was... Don't live your life for revenge. Look at what it look at what it's done to me. Release yourself of that burden. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought was it was a really nice moment. I really I think Tyrion probably was the best overall character when it came to writing and acting and uh, place in the in in the story. Um, and I really liked the moment. There was two emotional moments he had in this last season. One with Jamie, and he says, "I would have never su- survived my childhood without you." And and when he's releasing Jamie, that was beautiful. Um, and then um, I, I I really liked once he got the stones uncovered, which took a long time. That that was a pretty touching moment of him weeping with his siblings. Um, and then just another moment that was was you know a little uh, sap, but I appreciated was Brienne getting knighted. 
and that, that goes back to you, uh, that kind of Brienne and, and, and Jamie, Colin. You're, uh, those, I'm sure you probably like that relationship. But the, the knighting of, of her and uh, I thought was, was a pretty touching, sweet moment. But, yeah, you got to say, like, Ramsey's Bolton, him getting it with the with the with his own hounds ripping him apart like that was just so satisfactory that that up that whole episode was amazing television so those are just some of my my feelings and thoughts i was just gonna add one more how about a six seasons worth payoff of a hodor oh yeah. shit oh, i yeah, forgot about hodor yeah that was hardcore yeah that was hardcore i can't believe they let that one linger for so long and that ended up that was that was really uh a, a shocking uh, payoff there that was like a holy shit moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really that was really well done. Again, fantastic writing. Um, but since I've been talking about some of my favorite characters, uh, what are some of your guys' top favorite characters that you're always pulling for? You, you, you had the jersey. You had the Jamie Lannister jersey on your back. Uh, we'll, we'll go with uh, Hammond first. My favorite character was Arya. I'm a little disappointed. Okay. Join really, when you think of... Yeah, when you think about it, though, she had really just one fight scene, right? This whole season. Right? The Battle of Winterfell was yeah. the only time she really fought. But I liked her character the most. I actually like her and Sansa the most. It's kind of a split. But the reason I liked Arya the most is I just thought that she she was the most vengeful in the most constructive way. So out of all the Starks, I mean, Bran's a weirdo. We can talk about that. But uh, <laughs> Jon Snow... And Sansa, like, Jon Snow's kind of, like, one foot in, one foot out, not really committal to really, like, being a leader, taking things over, but kind of finds himself in that scenario. Sansa's really smart, but she never fights. She's never really in the battle. She's more of, like, a, a Cersei behind the scenes. Arya's, like, a mix of those two. Like, she'll throw down and kill people, but she's also, like, really well, uh, like, her motivations make sense. So it was always fun to, like, watch her character grow and uh, match up with everyone at the end there. Okay. Cool. Cool. So you're you're on the squad. You're on you're on squad Aria. Uh, Colin, what do you think? Squad Aria. Uh, Jamie is definitely number one. Um, I just thought he had the most compelling, satisfying arc from complete villain who pushes a child out a window in episode one to being so redeemed by the end. I just thought that's that was to me the best character writing in the show. Aside from that, and really this goes back to how terrible Euron was. And seeing what the definition of an awful and terribly written villain he was, it made me appreciate Joffrey more just as a character. Dude, because fucking shout out to I Joffrey. Hate, oh, yeah. I dude, love I love... Joffrey was an effective villain. I hated him for good reasons, good writing reasons. And then, outside of him, another throwback, season one, I still miss him, R.I.P. King Rob was one of my absolute favorite characters. He's just such a... It's Sean Addy, right? Is that his name, the, the actor? Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was great. He stole every scene he was in. I wish he was around longer. But uh, but yeah, those are my three. Cool, Harris, bring it home. Yeah, I was always riding with Team Arya. I'm with you on that one, Mike. I definitely could Dang, have. Everyone's woo, on Arya. Yeah, I definitely could have used a heavier dose of Arya down the stretch. Um, wanted a few more kick-ass scenes from her since uh, I think we'd all been waiting so long to see what she was capable of. Um, but I'm not going to complain too much about that. I really liked her character and. Uh, you know, from the time when we first get introduced to her in season one and she's a little kid to being a total badass by the end was was pretty awesome. Uh, and I will say Tyrion was, I think, the saving grace of the final episode and probably uh, the last couple episodes. And he was really uh, fantastic throughout the series. So 
shout out to the imp. Yeah, I think the I love the the T-shirt that was being made of Arya and the Air Jordan pose, but with with the dagger. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. It was a pretty funny little fucking T-shirt. Yeah, that was uh, great. Speaking of uh, uh, characters we didn't like, just uh, real quick, what were some of your least favorite fuck you characters? Um, and and I, I think we're gonna have a lot of the same ones. But uh, Hammond, what do you think? What was your least? Let's favorite Let's talk character? about Bran. Um. Yeah, because he's just... on my list, top of my list too. I think it's the biggest failure of the show. I don't know what they were doing with him or if they had an idea of how they were going to close his character off. But that whole council thing and electing him the ruler was... That was a tough scene. That was tough to watch that. And it's because Bran is... He's not hes not interesting as, as a character. And its he's totally confusing. There's really... they They never explain his powers, what a three-eyed raven really is, other than being able to warg into animals and he's the memory. Yeah. And he just says all these words and then it's unclear if what his, like the extent of his power, if he can see in the future, if he can just see the past, if he knew all this was going to happen and the writers this season sort of moved his purpose around scene by scene. Like there's scenes where he's, I think there's a scene with Tyrion where he says he can't be Prince of the North and then he's totally fine being King of everything. That's within like three or four episodes. It's like, (laughs) Right, I mean, it's it. I'm not Brand anymore. He, he says that too. I'm not Brand. I'm I'm nobody or something, right? And then at the end, he's like, no, no, I'm Brand the Broken. Like I'm the ruler. Like he just kept changing who he was, and every time he was on screen, it was like, like did you guys laugh at? All? I mean, I'd laugh sometimes when he was on screen. It was supposed to be serious. Yeah, there's so many there's so many handicap jokes that have come out since Brand. It's just like, well, Brand's first order is king. Build ramps. Oh, yeah. That- or there's just like <laughs> ramp is he was just hanging out in that garden because there's no ramps and there's just all these like wheelchair jokes on the internet with with Brand too and the problem like they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't build the the rules of his world well enough did anybody else when they appointed him king was your first thought wait so did Brand know King's Landing was gonna get burned and a bunch right. of innocent people were die and he just didn't say anything but he's still supposed to be a great king and leader like that doesn't make yeah, sense yeah or did what? he did he tell John did he tell John about his true story cause he knew that was going to cause a divide between him and Danny, which would lead him to the throne was this all like a maniacal plot like it's just like there's a lot of fucking questions yeah they just didn't establish enough rules with him yeah the show never in Inside the show, inside the show, the characters never acknowledge Bran the way we're talking about him. So, for, like, I, I don't understand how, in the biggest battle of their life, they're not going to Bran and like asking him to do more things. Like, so what are your powers? How can you help us? Like, how did they not have any exposition there while they were trying to plan all this stuff? He just that second dragon that got taken out. They should have fucking consulted with Bran about should we fly the dragons around right, right now? Right, right. Or, or like, or like, Danny loses the second dragon randomly to Euron and you know with the with the scorpions it's like why isn't isn't Bran way ahead of everyone with ravens checking things out like why aren't they using his character for anything interesting it's just super annoying every time he's on screen and i'm just completely blown away that they didn't think people were going to be pissed about that he had a really weird face too which upset me <laughs> but did you guys see that? Did you guys see the meme that came out today? That was uh, it was Tyrion, and it said, "Who's got a better story than Bran?" And then it was just uh, underneath it, just every character Everybody? listed. Like, <laughs> like, all of these characters have better stories than Bran. That was so stupid. Well, 
I don't know, maybe Arya, who yeah, killed the Night King story. and saved everybody and is a super assassin. Not even bothering story. to dedicate yeah. part of one episode to justifying why Bran might even be a good king is egregious to me. To just, like, spring it on because Tyrion thought of it in the moment and everyone was like, okay, cool. Just, just, that it was just, that was too much. I would just, just with, like, do those other characters even know who Bran is? Everyone knows who Bran like, is. They interacted with Bran, all those people in the council. Really? I, there's, like, do they even know, why, why is, but, like, do they know him, know him? Like, there's no dialogue. Like, why is there this reverence for Bran? It doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. I mean, you know, I but with it. the arc of the show, I'm kind of surprised I didn't see it coming because the most dramatic thing that happens at the end of episode one is Bran falls out of that tower. And then you could see, like, if you, if you think about it, the breadcrumbs of like that whole first episode is kind of built around Bran, like the archery and then the beheading, uh, you know, Ned tells Bran, like you have to, if you're going to make the call, you need to be, you know, you need to be the one to do it. And like all this bullshit, like that's all, that's all built in there. And and in the most dramatic thing that happens at the end of episode one, he falls out of the tower. And then the most dramatic thing that happens at the end of season eight is he's King. Yeah. But again, it's not the fact that he's King that, frustrates you it's how we got there and just the lack yeah, of exactly. justification it's the execution of yeah it. yeah so anyway uh any 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 shout outs along the way of uh other characters you just were like fuck that guy oh there's in a, in a bad we, way we have to we have to take a second to discuss the true biggest villain of the show and that is ollie oh yeah good call. <laughs> the son of a bitch who killed egret and then stab John with the final with the final dagger. The the worst okay. character on the show. I hated him. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that little kid was. Yeah, a he's a real shitty kid. For, <laughs> for the amount of time he was on screen, he caused the most the most emotional pain. Correct. Yeah, they murked him out good though. Yeah, he got what was coming to him. He got what was coming. And then of uh, course Euron I, is the definitely correct. Definitely a shout answer. out to Euron, who yeah. I was like. Who fucking cares about this turd? Let's wipe him right out right now. But he's a, he stayed around. He's an easy one. How about the council? The council bringing back two of our worst characters in Robin, Aaron, and Edmure Tully for a, a great final goodbye. That was such a weird scene. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like you're Tyrion and Shane's, and he's lecturing people. Such he's a Shane's. weird scene. Yeah, shut up! You're not allowed to fucking speak. But you, you know, let's get all yeah, your everyone, thoughts. Like, and let's like all no one's like, let's convene you. on it. This, <laughs> yeah, I love how pissed Grey Worm was, and then he just shut up. In the entire realm of them making decisions, and they all in a snap reaction, like, "I'm in. Let's do this." There's no, there's no backroom discussions. There's no politicking like yeah. the previous Game of Thrones. It's just the only, the only objection was Sansa because she was like, "Brand's dick doesn't work." <laughs> yeah, she was the both. only objection. Yeah, thanks a lot, Sansa. And she's like, "You can't fuck anybody." <laughs> yeah, she put yeah. him on blast for no reason. <laughs> Real dick move, yeah. Sansa. Hey Bob, can we not can we not finish a podcast about Game of Thrones without speaking about Tormund? Is that allowed? Go ahead. No, I just Speak mean on. in general. I, I mean, God, he was like the most entertaining. I was surprised that you didn't character. say he was your favorite character. I mean, he's hilarious. I mean, he just there were better written characters, but no one made me laugh more than Tormund. The guy was fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean that that. Uh... The giant's milk scene is <laughs> is probably going to go down in, in meme history. No, I, well, yeah, but how so. about which one of you cowards shit in my pants? One of the best lines the show has ever written. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
great. Yeah, he was he was a lot of fun. I I, I definitely enjoyed his energy, and I and I was always really nervous when he was uh, in peril. I was like, oh no, mm. not him. And he was always going to die. There was like he was he was on top of the wall yeah. when the the Night King's dragon started taking out the wall. I was like, how did he make it out of there? And then he's like buried under. S- 18 different whites during that battle of Winterfell. And it's just like, holy shit, like every fucking time the guy gets up, keeps moving. He takes so, like he uh, takes yeah, like he was... 30 headbutts in the battle of uh the bastards by the way and comes out of it totally fine. Yeah, fucking CTE madness, dude. <laughs> guy was the guy was a beast. Bill Romanowski, man. Of, I definitely of, that's, that's who he is. Yeah, he's de- he he was the Bill Romanowski. That's true. Correct. I can't even I'm not even going to we're going to move on. That's our second football reference on the Game of Thrones podcast today. Nice job, everybody. So, finally, finally, just, uh, just any final thoughts? You know, it's it's one of the, the things that's been bothering me uh, in this immediate reaction to the final season is that we're obviously so hung up, as is everyone, with the details of how everything went down. We're not even getting a chance to debate some of the deeper themes and meanings behind you know, have they really changed the realm at all? Or are we just starting over? And uh, you know, destinies relating to birthright and those type of things. And we haven't even touched on any of that because we're so caught up with uh, the shitty writing of the final season. So I would kind of argue that nothing's really changed and they're just sort of starting over with new people in power. I totally agree. It just, the Starks are in everything now. I mean, look at what happened. Yeah, the Starks like gets her own. The Starks won, movie. right? Yeah, the Starks. This it is was like, always a the show Starks about the Starks. Power. Yeah, yeah, but but that's. I mean, to Jordan's point, I totally agree, Jordan. I again, I wish you could almost see what would happen because you have Sansa has her own kingdom, which is a pretty big deal, and apparently Dorne and uh, the Iron Islands didn't want that for some reason. Um, and then Bran is running everything, and then who knows what Jon's doing? So I think it's just resetting some stuff. Did they actually break the wheel? You know, and all that. I think it's an interesting question to bring up. Yeah, I don't think so. Nice little food for thought. Uh, any final thoughts for you, Colin? I'm just excited for the inevitable attempt to try and get excited and read the books again and fail again midway through the first book because they're <laughs> so difficult to read. Um, but I think once the once Winds of Winter gets released, I'm going to attempt it again and hopefully to have a, have a new experience in reading the books now that I know how it ends here. Um, I just hope they actually yeah. come out. <laughs> Well, that's why God invented Audible. So, Godspeed to you, and I I hope you get through the books so that you can be one of the people that said, show was great. I'm going to be such an elitist afterwards, you guys aren't even going to believe it. God, I hate you. I hate so much about what you choose to be. <laughs> but I appreciate you for coming on the show, Colin. So, thank you, and welcome to your cartoon era. As soon as that's finished, you're going to see that up on, on the gram and, and all over the website and everything. So... Appreciate you coming on. Uh, appreciate the guys from Denver. Thank you, gentlemen. Always. See ya. And for one last time, I'm going to play you guys out with South Park's Wieners, Pickle Fluffy Wieners, Pickle Fluffy Wieners. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe and share with your friends and share with your grandmammy. Bye.